talking Missouri politics in the Missouri legislature with Connor Kerrigan of the Missouri Times on this week's new guru. Hello out there in podcast world. This is Renew Gurus, your source for all things energy policy and politics in Missouri and beyond. I'm Executive Director James Owen coming to you live on tape from my secret undisclosed location here in Columbia, Missouri, joined on the boards. As always, from his undisclosed location in Kansas City, Philip Frasica. Hi, Philip. Hey, happy to be here. Great to have you here and also have it have a, a guy who, you know, I, I feel like I know him very well. I don't think I know him outside of Twitter, however, <laughs> right? <laughs> which is just how the modern world works. But uh, Connor Kerrigan, uh, who is a reporter with the Missouri Times, which is we are lucky enough to find out his last week as a yeah. reporter at the Missouri Times before he starts uh, uh, with uh, putting out his shingle is at C.P. Kerrigan Digital, uh, which is going to be a kind of a communication outreach firm. And so you will certainly need to know him from that in case anyone out there is wanting to work on that. But Connor, uh, hi, thanks for coming on. Hey, man, I am really glad to be here. I'm always excited to um, talk Missouri politics on a podcast. It seems to be a, a significant part of my job. So yeah, because I mean, you do. Uh, you have done a podcast for Missouri Times. I think is like the third read. Is that what it's called? Yep. Yeah. So and uh, we've got a extensive podcast network. That uh, when I came on board, I kind of ended up taking over a lot of the aspects of that. And um, incredible team behind it. Caitlin Schallhorn, our our editor, is my yeah. co-host of the pod, and and she's fantastic, a wealth of knowledge. So. You have great guests uh, on there. Oh, sorry. You have really good, informative guests. I've listened to it. You all drink? Yeah, we have a a cocktail each week and uh, have a lot of fun with it. I am I am only uh, I am not drinking yet on this podcast that uh, you might give me a couple of weeks and I might have to start but um, feel free I hope if anyone's out there listening if you want to drink during this podcast feel free um, but yeah you 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 have you know the Missouri Times I don't know if uh, some of our listeners are kind of tuned into that as a website that is more than just a website. They do a lot of stories about what's going on in the Capitol. They do a lot of stories about what's going on in politics. There's a TV show <laughs> this week mm-hmm. in Missouri politics, which I had been on uh, in the past. Um, and then there's also a series of, of podcasts. Um, it is quite a network yeah. of, of things that you can learn about what's going on in the world around us here in the state. Yeah, it's if, if, if you want to know anything politically or anything uh, that's going on with the government in, in Missouri, even down to the like really nitty gritty details, mm-hmm. um, like for this, um, we're, we're one of the only news outlets that, that covers the, the PSC. Um, our, our, my, my colleague Cameron Gerber uh, is at every single one of those meetings. And so mm-hmm. before coming on to talk to you, I had him fill me in on, you know, give me a bunch of information. So I, I went into this conversation seeming smarter than I am. Yeah. I mean, I probably need to have him on too. Cause I know every time there's an energy story, he uh, usually, uh, it, you know, it was very good to call us and get a quote about it. Um, I yeah. know, uh, he's, he's real dedicated to that issue. And yes, I mean, that's one thing I would tell our listeners. Uh, if you go to Missouri times, there is a, this week, <clears throat> this week in the PSC, which they run down what happens at the public service yeah. commission, which I, yeah, I don't really think, anybody i mean i think you're right no one else does that yeah yeah he's there he knows he knows more about energy policy than i think anyone besides you guys i mean he's (laughs) he's in it 
you know, I know more than us. I don't know. <laughs> I don't listen to all of those agendas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I used to, I mean, cause I used to, when I was public counsel, I used to have to do all the water stuff and all the gas stuff. And now I really do have a focus on electricity, but yeah, the water stuff I've kind of lost um, track of a little bit. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's, it's good because it is one of those things that it is, there is a lot of money that goes through, the PSC, as far as like the, the amount of money that's associated with utility policy is substantial. Yeah. Um, a, I read a statistic that there's more money that goes through utility policy than even tax policy because everyone pays a utility bill. A lot of people don't pay taxes. Yeah. Or they don't have a, they don't have a liability for taxes. I should say, if I'm trying to be very legal about this, um, <laughs> some people don't pay their taxes either. <laughs> you write about right. that too, when people get indicted. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so because on that subject, I, the reason I wanted to have you on here is you 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 all cover the legislature tirelessly. Yep. You yep. I I wake up at five five thirty in the morning, and I will during the legislative session I will see all of you tweeting at two thirty three a.m. about what has been going on in the House or Senate, usually the yeah. Senate. Yeah. And that's helpful. I mean, like to me, that's helpful when I'm trying to figure out what have they been talking about? What are they doing? What should I be prepared for today? And I think, you know, one of the things that I have tried to do with Renew Missouri is, you know, one of the things I feel it's important is to educate our supporters and the public on what's going on in Jefferson City, what's going on in that Capitol building. And because yeah. I think there was some misperceptions about it, I think that people just think, well, you've got a good idea. You have these things that you care about why aren't those things happening? <laughs> and, yeah. I, you know, and I think, you know, it's important to kind of go through, I mean, I think looking at this past session uh, is a good example of how chaotic of a process that can be. Yeah. Um, and, and I, and I kind of just want to get your take because you're there a lot. You cover this a lot. I mean, what do you, I mean, you had a, if you had a takeaway from the 2021 session, I mean, what, what do you think, what do you think it says about the state of, politics state of government i mean what do you what do you think what do you think we should glean from 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 2021 i the the most surprising thing to me about this session was how much actually ended up getting done at the end um i i write a I write a daily email for the missouri times it goes out to a small group of of subscribers and I was really um, aggressive about saying, you know, I really think that this is going to be a session where nothing gets done. Um, I was telling lobbyists, (laughs) yeah, I was telling lobbyists like, hey, if your only job here is to kill bills, you might as well start booking your vacation Um, because it's, it's nothing's happening. And then in the last two weeks of session, I mean, it was alarming. It was so much stuff got done. The log jam got cleared. and, and so much stuff ended up getting through. I was, I was genuinely surprised by that. So I, I think, you know, the takeaway um, from this session for me was, you know, even if you're completely plugged in, even if you have the resources that, that I have at my disposal, being at the Missouri Times, the process is still completely unpredictable. Yeah, I was actually tallying it up last weekend and, you know, like the last couple of years, I mean, of course, last year was interrupted by COVID, but even the year before, we only had about 50 some odd bills that were passed. So that included appropriation bills, but this year, like more than 50 non-appropriation bills, I think it was like 53, 54, I might have yeah. been counting that wrong, went to the governor's office to for, yeah. for a signature or it's a waiting signature or veto. 
um, that, that, that did, I was like, oh, wow. It seems like a lot did get done more so than before anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so what do you think? I mean, like, so if you were to say to someone, like, what do you think, like, what are some of the biggest surprises or like, what are some of the biggest things that you saw this session that, you know, maybe as, as someone who watches this and engaged with it surprised you? Yeah. Um, the, the, the house really owned this session. Um, they were really in charge this time. And I, I thought that was definitely surprising. Um, you had two factors with that. Uh, the first one being um, Senate leadership is having a, a really difficult time right now in the fact that there are what, what I've been calling three caucuses in the Senate. Um, there, you know, there's the Republican Party, there's the Democrat Party, and then there is the conservative caucus, which is yeah. technically a member of, of the Republican caucus, but they are, they're in, they are their own ideological unit. Um, and they have a lot of ability to um, slow things down and, and uh, issues that have arisen from that actually caused the session to end four hours early, um, <laughs> which is, which was a crazy story um, with, yes. with Senator JJ uh, Rizzo, the, um, the minority floor leader um, adjourning um, mm -hmm. without opposition on the floor, um, but the the house um, the house was in charge and it was they they led on on uh, the the killing of the Medicaid expansion funding um, that was a house decision that the the Senate um, didn't didn't push back on um, they, they led on education reform with the passage of, uh, Phil Cristinelli's, um, ESA bill. Um, right. a lot of house, a lot of those, you know, 53 or so bills that you were talking about were, were house priorities. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was a, that was an interesting part of the session to see, to see, you know, what, what we, um, what we typically call the lower chamber, um, really taking the steering wheel for this entire session. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, because I, I remember like usually when I talk about the legislature, I mean, just so people are kind of caught up. I mean, so we have we are bicameral in the state. We have a House and Senate. The House is very big. It's 163 members. Um, mm -hmm. Usually the conventional wisdom is, is that the leadership drives what happens in the House and in the Senate. It's an individually driven body because mm -hmm. you do have a lot of I mean, you do have look both parties. I mean, both chambers are uh, super majority Republican. Um, that is something that over time can lead to, uh, I think what you're talking about, this kind of fracture. Because I remember, I'll just give a little bit of background into my, my life. I, when I was in law school, in, I went to Kansas. I went to University of Kansas for law school. Um, and I worked in the Kansas legislature, which back in 2002, 2003, you know, Missouri had just you know, gone over to Republican control of the legislature at, in 2002. So that was new. But Kansas has always been run by Republicans. But in the Senate, <laughs> which you have a smaller House and you have a larger Senate there, they have 40 members there. But the moderate Republicans and the Democrats were the leading party. Yeah. Like moderate Republicans and Democrats got everything done. Um, and the hardcore conservatives that were in the Senate tended to be kind of, they fought very hard against some of the things that they saw they didn't like. Um, I feel like, and the only reason I'm bringing this up is because I feel like you're seeing something like that happening in the Senate now. And I feel like it's more pronounced than it has been in the past couple of years because the conservative caucus is more 
I mean, it's, it's evolving because you've got members who, you know, get, uh, you know, there's a, there's an eight year limit on how long you can serve in the Senate. Mm-hmm. Um, you see members come and go. Um, and so you see that kind of evolve on who is in this conservative caucus. It's really kind of a new phenomenon, really. Um, yeah. And, you know, then there's people that you think are in it. <laughs> like, I, you know, I thought for a lot, I mean, I believe that Senator O'Laughlin, Senator O'Laughlin from the Northeast part of the state was in it, but I guess they just said like, she hasn't caucused with them for some time. She's also had some health issues this year. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of speculation yeah. on that too, but I won't get into any of that. Um, but, you know, the, you know, but I think that's what you're going to see. I think you're going to see the Democrats and some of the more moderate members. Like I think, and when I think of moderate members of the Republican Party, I think of people like Senator Lincoln Huff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I even think of Caleb Browden from who is in leadership, who is from Columbia. I think they yeah. are relatively moderate Republicans comparatively. And um, they, you know, I think that gives the Democrats who are only 10 members out of 34, I think it gives them a lot more leverage. And as you said, John Rizzo, who's a Democrat from Kansas City, um, and he's the minority leader yep. for, the, for, yep. the, for the Democrats. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he dominated the last day of the session because, I mean, okay, so uh, for, and I know I'm just talking now, I should let you talk. Why don't you talk about what happened the last day of session <laughs> and yeah. uh, why, that, why it kind of blew up at the, at the, at the end? Yeah, so actually, uh, Scott wrote, uh, Scott, our publisher, Scott Fawn, wrote a really good column um, because he actually interviewed both uh, J.J. Rizzo and um, Dave Schatz, the president pro tem of the Senate. He interviewed both of them um, on the last day of session after they adjourned. Um, But essentially, you know, uh, there's there's this thing called the FRA. Um, It it allows um, us to get our money back from the government to send out to our hospitals for healthcare. Uh, that's a very, very basic version of what the FRA does. Yes. Um, but because of that, it, it has to pass every year. Um, that funding right. has to come back or else our hospitals are gonna close. Um, so that bill became kind of the central figure in this whole uh, blow up in the Senate. Um, Senator Paul Wheeland had tried earlier in session to add um, anti-abortion language to the FRA is a good way to, to put it. Yeah. Um, and that wasn't going to fly uh, with the Senate Democrats who um, the reason Senate Democrats have more, this is going to get really wonky. So I hope your listeners are into that. But yeah, um, the reason that Senate Democrats have so much more power than House Democrats, even though they're both uh, super minority is because the Senate holds what's called the PQ um, very, uh, they, they don't use it near, the House will use it constantly. And the yeah. PQ essentially stops debate on a bill and then you vote on it. Right. Um, the Senate rarely PQs. In fact, there wasn't, a, there was not a single PQ in the Senate this session, which means that Democrats are able to much more easily filibuster um, mm-hmm legislation. And right. so um, there were essentially two versions of the FRA going through the legislative process, the clean FRA, and then the FRA that had um, Whelan's anti-abortion language on it. And there were some deals made um, with the Democrats that essentially said, you know, we're going to bring the clean FRA to the Senate floor for a vote. Um, 
Paul Wieland, uh, Senator Paul Wieland used every parliamentary trick he could to try to prevent that from happening. Um, he was, I mean, it was, I was, I was, there was actually a moment, um, pretty early in the morning, I'd say it was around maybe 1231 o'clock, um, where we were up in the gallery and something happened. Paul Whelan called for some type of parliamentary something and the whole Senate stopped. And there was, a, I have a picture of it on my phone. There was a whole group of people standing around the rules, trying to figure out what they were going to do next because they had just hit this weird, mm-hmm. there was a stick in the spokes and it just, it stopped. Um, but the, the deal essentially ended up falling through. This idea of getting a clean FRA to the floor ended up falling through. Um, Rizzo was upset about that. And he said, you know, he, he brought his caucus together on the last day and said, listen, I'm filibustering until 6 p.m. Nothing is getting done in the Senate mm-hmm. today. And this is my, you know, this is my response to what I feel has been um, Senate leadership going back on their agreement. Um, so I'm, I'm going to be filibustering until 6 p.m. You can join me or not. Right. Um, there were a couple members of his caucus who at first were, pretty upset about that because they had priority legislation that they wanted to to get through on the last day um but eventually uh they they joined him in that filibuster effort and then uh at 2 p.m uh rizzo motioned to adjourn which is something that that he has the capacity to do um and there was no one there uh to oppose it um and so they slowly uh adjourned the session um, around 2 p.m. and and it was it was it was it was a shocking development. No one kind of expected it. Um, for for the session end four hours early, I think a lot of House members were pretty upset about it. Yeah. Um, because you know they were still in the chamber uh, trying to get things passed, but it's what happened. And and it it was it was a play by Rizzo that that I think ended up panning out for him. I think he he definitely. Um, put his stake in the ground and, and said, here's, here's the power I have when you go back on what I believe are the, our agreements. Um, and I mean, as someone working in media, it made for really great, great coverage. It was, it was an yeah. interesting and exciting thing. It's dramatic. And I mean, one thing I, I think it should be clear to our listeners, um, you know, we, we talk about the filibuster here. I mean, we were talking about like, this is not at the federal level where you kind of like hit a button or you kind of indicate you're going to challenge this. You have to get on the floor you cannot yep. leave unless someone's helping you and you literally mm-hmm. talk. Um, yep. So it, I mean, you know, and there's a, I mean, and it's, I mean, I've seen people prepare for filibusters. I mean, you know, you kind of try to stay on topic. Um, but like, so, so what do you think? Because I mean, this is what I've been trying to get to the bottom of, right? He says he's going to go till six. Why did he stop? Why did Rizzo stop at two o'clock? Uh, he, he, I think, and, and, Again, Scott's column on this really does a lot of great uh, okay. uh, reporting on what what essentially happened. We'll share that. From my understanding, yeah. yeah. From from my understanding, um, he note he kind of just realized that he could, um, <laughs> and that there weren't there there weren't enough folks around to oppose the motion. Um, yeah. So instead of talking for the next four hours, he yeah. motioned to adjourn. And and I mean honestly, that's if you're someone who, you know, is determined to filibuster and you have an out, that means that you don't have to stand on the floor and talk for another four hours. I would take that out. Yeah. Cause there wasn't much they were going to get done anyway. 
And I know, you know, one thing, because it was funny, was what they were talking about precisely when he moved to adjourn was the Grain Belt Express, because I was listening to it. Um, yeah. and, it was, and, and that Grain Belt Express is one of those, it's, um, and we'll get into it a little bit. It's, it's, it was one of the things that we have at Renew Missouri are very interested in. Uh, we've talked a lot about it. It's the big transmission line that's going to go from Dodge City, Kansas to Indiana and ultimately deliver wind power to the east coast but in the meantime it's going to deliver wind power to a lot of municipal utilities in missouri it's very controversial mm -hmm. because a lot of the landowners across the line that's been uh selected for it don't like it they think it is um i mean well look i mean they they say it's a it's a private company doing this and that's not how eminent domain should work well I don't know. Ameren is a private company. <laughs> uh, Evergy is a private company. The co-ops are private companies. They're private corporations. Now they'd say, well, this is, you know, then they start getting into like more tortured nuance. Well, this is a merchant line. But the reality is it was, I mean, so just to go over it again, it was approved by the Public Service Commission. The Grain Belt Express is considered a utility under Missouri law. And there has been an effort the past three years to strip it of its eminent domain abilities. Very, very controversial. I mean, you've, you've probably yeah. covered, you've seen the angles, the Farm Bureau is opposed to this project, Cattlemen's Association is opposed to this project. Um, and so they've been in favor of this bill. But this is, yeah. I mean, but it never had ever been debated on the floor. Um, and right. until, and I don't really know if this counted as a debate, <laughs> uh, because it was more of a filibuster, yeah. I, I think, but there was, my right. understanding was there had been some deals made with Senator Jason Bean from Poplar Bluff that he, this was, he was a sponsor of this bill in the Senate right. and he was going to get an opportunity for a debate on the bill and didn't. And, and, and Senator Rizzo thought that he should have a moment to do that. My, that's my understanding. Is that your, have you heard that same story or am I... Have I heard this as like a game of telephone? <laughs> no, no, I, I've, I've heard something similar. Um, it was, you know, the, so the bill that uh, Senator Bean had filed essentially would not allow the Grain Belt Express project. Right. Um, so it, I, it, it, it's confusing to hear like they're against the Grain Belt, so they're for this bill. Well, the wow. bill would have killed the Grain Belt yeah. um, project. Now uh, it's, I was kind of surprised um, at the fact that it didn't get debate on the floor this year. Um, yeah. The biggest reason for that is, you know, so um, proponents of the bill had a rally at the Capitol um, a, a month or so ago. I was there. Senator I Bean, saw it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Senator Bean, uh, majority floor leader, Senator Caleb Browden, Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe, um, Majority Floor Leader Dean Plocker, mm -hmm. Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft were all at this this rally in support of this bill, and I mean there was a lot of muscle behind it. Like he said, um, you know, uh, it's 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 we can't deny the um, the the power that the um, that the Farm Bureau has. We can't That's deny right. the power that the Cattlemen's Association has in an agriculture state like Missouri. Yeah. Um, but the bill, the bill passed out of the House and it died uh, at, in the Senate Commerce Committee, which is chaired by uh, Senator Mike Searpoy. Who I, I would say was not a big fan of the bill. Uh, yeah. Of, in, of the uh, anti-Grain Belt bill. And some of those people mm -hmm. at, that, at that rally didn't like the bill either. I'm not going to say which ones they were, but 
<laughs> I mean, they were there and look, I understand, um, you know, you know, I, you know, like, it's really funny to me. Like I've, I've tried, I will just say I've reached out to the Farm Bureau because I think there are things, there's renewable energy issues that our groups should agree on. I, I can certainly tell you that they certainly agree with us on how, um, you know, wind farms, you know, like, I think they like wind farms because it, it generates a lot of income for, for farming, uh, uh, for, for farmers. And that's a, that's a benefit of it. Um, and I think there's some things we would like, I mean, clearly we do not agree on this topic. Um, and I, and I just, you know, to me, it, it comes down to like, whether you could, I mean, like people do not like transmission lines. I get it. My family farm has a transmission line over it. My dad, God rest his soul, didn't like that transmission line and fought it. But I get it has to be there <laughs> unless we all want to yeah. live in yurts out in the woods. Uh, we are going to have to have power. And, um, you know, all all you can hear about when you talk about the cold snap in February or you talk about like the modernization of the grid, it all comes down to the ability to transmit power to places that need it, which is you produce power in places where not a lot of people live. And it's got to get to the places where people do live. And that covers a yep. lot of ground and covers a lot of property owners, pro property owners, um, you know, parcels. And um, I, I don't really know how to reconcile that. I mean, and you can say like, well, grain belt's different because it's not all it does is it's all it is a transmission line. But literally, <laughs> I mean, Amron has its own segment of its business. It's transmission. Same with Evergy. Uh, you know, I mean, I just... It, it doesn't make sense to me that the power line that went over my parents' property for a co-op, which wasn't even their co-op, by the way, because then they say like, well, co-ops are ran by the members, but it wasn't, it wasn't even their co-op. So, I mean, like, why is that more protect? Why is that better for property rights? Why is that better than grain belt? I can't figure it out. But anyway. I think, yeah, <laughs> I, I think, uh, I think this won't be, um, I, I think maybe the anti-grain belt bill will come back next mm -hmm. year, yeah. but the project, the project is so far along by this point. It's the, yeah. the, the state already signed the contract. Like yeah. it's every year that this doesn't make it to the floor for a Senate debate, it gets mm -hmm. harder and harder to stop this project. Yeah. Um, and folks I've talked to, folks I've talked to about it have been have, have basically said that you know this bill failing to get through this year feels like if not the final at least the penultimate nail in the coffin yeah. for for anti-grain belt efforts I'll tell you I mean yeah I mean because like look I I've been in energy policy for five years I've been dealing with this for five years I've been going on for two years before that um, and I get why people are upset about it. I get it. I think some people think I'm a little insensitive to that. I'm not because I, I think I've got a background that is unique that I understand it. But I'm telling you, I think these, I think some of these politicians have served some of these people up. I am very worried that there's going to be, I mean, they've already, they've already tried to stop crews from working on this project along the line. I have concerns about violence. Um, and maybe really, Kind of. I mean, listen, I listen, I've been threatened <laughs> and I'm not even like the person building this. Um, and I think that people are just I think politically anyway, and you can probably speak to this. People are so stirred up anyway. Like just generally that this is just making it worse for some of them. 
Like they see it now, like we've made, we've, we've framed this or some of the people who are opposed to grain belt have framed this as like the life and death of the agriculture industry in the state, which is in my opinion, ridiculous. I think the, the death warrant for agriculture in the state probably was signed about 40 years ago when we stopped putting protections on uh, foreign, uh, foreign products. That, that's a whole other podcast. Uh, <laughs> um, but I mean, that's, but that's kind of the way people are talking about it. And it worries me a little. Um, the, I, I, think, uh, I think you have, I think you're onto something there with the polarization thing. And I think that it's something that uh, leaders in our state are starting to reckon with a little bit um, for something uh, not, not energy related, but um, I know uh, Senate Majority Floor Leader, Caleb Browden, who is a Republican, um, was getting death threats uh, because they had not yet brought the Second Amendment Protection Act to the floor of the Senate. Um, he, he posted on, on Twitter and, and talked about, you know, threats against his family. Um, and we were seeing, uh, ads put out that, that basically put his face and said, you know, this is the person stop, uh, stopping your second amendment protections in the state of Missouri. Um, (laughs) it, it is something, you know, it's, it's something that there's, there's, uh, important, uh, discussions and, and important, um, decisions that need to be made about, you know, what happens in that building is, is very, very important to a lot of people. Um, and the way that issues are framed uh, matters. So this is, you know, this is the part where I, I should disclose, you know, prior to coming to the Missouri Times, I was a communications director um, in the nonprofit world and yeah. uh, for political campaigns. Yeah. And so I, I look at a lot of things from a communications perspective. And, and obviously, as you said at the top, you know, uh, my last day is Friday. After that, I'm opening my own uh, communications firm. But, you know, that's, that's the framing that I have on most of this. And the way that issues that come out of that uh, building are uh, shown to the public uh, matters a whole lot. And it turns out it matters for uh, folks' safety as well. It, well, yeah, and I think there's a tendency, and I mean, I'm going to make this about Trump, but there has been a tendency to think that words and words from leaders is like, oh, it's like just some people talking. It isn't. I, I think people see those as cues. I think they see them as ways to react. And I think that that has been mimicked at the state and local level. Um, and I think you're starting to see people really like, I think, you can't just put something out there and expect like, oh, well, that's just in the vacuum. That's just me blowing off steam, whatever. No, because people like really look at that and say like, yeah, that's it. They're right. This is an outrage. This is ridiculous. We should stop this. Somebody should stop this. Yeah. And I yeah. think, and I just, I just tend to think like that is not, I mean, like, I think, you know, it's easy Oh, it's easy for me. I can say like, oh yeah, 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 whatever. I mean, I kind of, you know, try to ignore it because I got like, a, I got my one focus on something. And so I only would think about like when Trump would talk about wind farms giving you cancer or doing whatever, when I really knew all he cared about was the fact he was mad that he had a, a golf course in Scotland where they put wind farms off the coast of it and he fought them forever about it. And it's just like everything else with him. He just cared about what affected him. But people don't, but people, people take that real seriously. And um, I hope I hope. I mean, I say this. Look, Connor, I know I'm older than you. I don't know if you, you've worked at Empower Missouri. I know you've worked at places like this. I don't know if you remember when um, 
Tom Schweig committed suicide. You remember that? I, I was I was not in Missouri. I was not in Missouri for that. I, I know the story. I was not yeah. in Missouri for it though. I mean, they, 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 I mean, they, they were literally like the attacks going. I mean, he was going to run for governor in sixteen, and there were attacks against him that were uh, not attacks, but I mean, just kind of you know, kind of whisper campaigns about him that are very real. And I think you know. I'm not saying that like, you know, anybody who, I mean, look, you've been in politics. I've been in politics. It's a rough business. People say things about you. They say things about your candidate. I imagine you having worked for, you know, an African-American um, candidate at the statewide level probably heard a lot of horrible things. I'm just going to guess. Uh, but that, you know, so you're used to it. But I mean, like, obviously it it's something I think really contributed to his death, to Tom Schweik's death. And I will tell you, if if, if anything Jefferson City learned, they learned that that is effective. Like, I don't think they learned to stop doing it, <laughs> is what I'm saying. Uh, We're, it's, it's you, uh, I, my, sorry, I'm stuttering. So much of, of my, I, I came into politics in the, the social media mm -hmm. era where Twitter was central to so many things. Right. Um, and, and I, I think there really hasn't been a reckoning um, in, in the political sphere, whether it's federal or at the state level, there hasn't been a reckoning um, with social media, with its uh, ability to um, spread messages ex much more rapidly than they ever have before. Um, and the, the, what I would say, dire consequences of that. Um, and, you know, so as someone who works in, in the media, one thing that I really like about the Missouri Times is that we are not a, a clickbait factory. Right. Um, you know, if we, if we were, we wouldn't have Cameron sitting at every PSC <laughs> meeting reporting on that. Um, That's not the hot and, topic. <laughs> right. You know, and, and, and Caitlin is, is extremely good. Our, our editor, Caitlin right. Schallhorn. Um, she's extremely good at, at making sure that we're not, you know, trying to get those clicks to rile folks up. Um, right. And because the issue is that, you know, so many times um, and, and just from the perspective of someone who I, I am extremely online, I'm on Twitter all the time. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, we have a tendency to read a headline and think that we know everything that's included in that article just from the yeah. headline. Um, it's a, it's a different universe. Um, messages travel at a, at an, in an instant to, to hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. And you can't account for how all of those folks are, are going to react to that message. Yeah. And that's one thing I kind of like about Missouri times. I don't, you don't get a lot of gossip on right. there. Or, or rumors. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, sometimes I'm like, I wish they'd say something about this because that person's just doing this or that. Um, but, you know, I mean, there's there's websites you can subscribe to that give you <laughs> kind of un, um, unfiltered rumors, which I mean is, I think is good that only a certain amount of people have to pay for that. That's Missouri Scout and I pay for it. And I think it's good because I can kind of distill that where most people I think just look at it and say like, well, that must be right, you know? <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's, I think that's good. Um, yeah, I mean, I, and I just think like, I think about grain belt, I think about, yeah, what, what Senator Rowden was saying. And I think, you know, it, it is, it is a, it can get pretty hot in that building. Yeah. Um, I've seen it. I, you know, like grain belt's a good example of that. There, there was a big rally 
I think you said like when they had a hearing about this. Mm-hmm. And um, look, I mean, there, yeah, there were like people in there that, I mean, were really convinced this was going to be the end of their life. That they thought that their, their way of life, way of life, way of life was yep. over, was over because of this. And I don't, I don't think that is, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's how this is going to end for them. I mean, I think that there's a lot of challenges to farming and a lot of challenges to agriculture out there, but they have been convinced of this. Um, And uh, I don't know who benefits from getting them stirred up about that. (laughs) Um, But, you know, you, you tend to think that we just have a lot of people that see benefit from getting people riled right now. Yeah, and one of the, you know, uh, I was talking earlier about um, the Second Amendment Protection Act, which did pass this year. Um, It essentially allows uh, Missourians to file lawsuits against state and local police departments that work with federal police departments to enforce um, gun laws. Um, they, they're basically, you know, the, the idea behind the bill is um, we're not going to let the feds uh, infringe on, on your Second Amendment rights. And, and wherever you are on, on the gun issue, um, it, it passed, right? I was, uh, I was surprised, you know, I, I spend a lot of time in senators' offices um, chatting with their staff and, and, and whatever. I was surprised by the number of phone calls that even you know first first year senators were getting um from folks saying you know this bill is important to us you need to bring this to the floor it was you know call-in campaigns to senate offices are are an old old trick in the book right that that was one of the the first ways that you did large-scale grassroots advocacy um now it is it is that and so much more. I mean, there's the phone calls that go into the senator's offices. There is, like I said, we were seeing digital ads calling out uh, Senator Rowden specifically um, because he's the floor leader. Um, it is just, there is, like I said, there's just such an ability to reach so many more folks in such a shorter amount of time mm-hmm. yeah. um, and really put pressure on, on, uh, on, on folks like Senator Rodden to, to, to move certain pieces of legislation. For a bill that is going to get tossed out in court so quickly that no one's going to even realize. Like, I mean, like that is such a patently, uh, I mean, I'm, forgive me. I mean, and it doesn't, I don't think it matters what you think about guns either. I mean, I'm probably more conservative on that than a lot of people in my, my world, but I, I, I just said, look at that. Like that's a, that's a bill that's like designed just to like put on a campaign flyer. It's not a bill that's actually going to accomplish policy. That was, I also uh, find it a little offensive because I feel that way about grain belt too. I feel that way about the anti-grain belt bill too. There, uh, that was actually another takeaway that I, I should have mentioned earlier is um, although a lot of legislating got done this session, I was surprised by how many, controversial issues uh i would i would say got punted to the courts um you know <laughs> chuck hatfield yeah. chuck hatfield lacing up his uh his lawyer shoes to go yeah. you know, fight for the medicaid expansion funding 
Um, yeah. that, that was a major issue that got punted to the courts. Um, there's always the chance that, you know, they don't pass FRA in a special session yeah. and that has to go to the courts. Um, you know, like you said, I, I think the second amendment preservation act is on a, a pretty fast route over to the courts. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, um, that was another, I think, theme of this, this session was moving a lot of these more controversial issues um, back over to the to the justice system. Yeah, because then they can say like, well, not only did I pass this, but some liberal activist judge threw it out. I mean, like to me, it's just all about like positioning yourself to run for office again. It's not accomplishing anything. I don't think. I mean, maybe it is, and I'm missing something. No, there's a. I think I think you and I could have a a, a, a completely different podcast on that because. <laughs> Being being in um, being so deeply ingrained in politics for the better part of the last five years, the one thing that I will say is that there is an incentive structure built into the political system to do that. And right. so if you're if you're going to reflect on um, uh, legislators acting in a certain way that we might not think is in um, their interest as a representative, I think we as a voting public need to consider the type of incentives that we've created for elected officials yeah. and that's i mean that's that's a that's a very long different discussion um, yes. but i i tend to i tend to uh err on the side of when someone does something that that someone who disagrees with them finds patent patently ridiculous um i start to wonder you know okay you need to get reelected every two years Mm -hmm. There's term limits. Right. Uh, you can, you know, if you're at, if you're one of the 163 House members right now, your calculation is how do I become one of the 34 members of the Senate right. in, within the eight years that I have to be in the House? Um, <laughs> yeah. And that that starts to really, you know, it it affects the decisions you make. It affects the bills you file. Um, I don't. I, I think that just as much as the elected representatives uh, bear responsibility, I think we as a voting public and, uh, you know, the media as, as well, I think we all bear uh, responsibility for, for a lot of that. Yeah, I mean, that got I really think, philosophical. That got really. <laughs> oh, no, but I think it's true. I mean, like, I think the whole term limit thing is really like I, I was talking about my experience in Kansas. And look, I was I was working over there 17, 18 years ago. There are people who are still there that I, I worked with uh, that are elected. I mean, you can say, well, that might be a problem too. Like maybe that's a problem that there's people who are making a career out of this. Mm -hmm. But then I also think that like, there's some people like that really don't get good at this until they're ready to leave <laughs> uh, the way we've got it set up in Missouri. I, I've seen a lot of really good lawmakers and not necessarily ones I, I agree with on everything, but I've seen them have to go. I mean, I think about like losing, I mean, from my perspective, from, oh, forgive me, I'm gonna get in trouble for talking about this, but like, like Gary Romine and Doug Leiblin, guys like that, who I really liked working with, who really cared a lot about their issues. And I know they were not, they were, they were not uncontroversial lawmakers, but they were really good at what they were doing. And they got to, you know, the point where they like, could really like be, you know, like kind of legendary, but then they had to go. Yeah. And I, I, think I, that's un, I don't think that's fair to the state, honestly. Well, it's, uh, I will, I will, I'll give this person credit. There's someone who uh, works in politics in Missouri who's, 
who's been around for a minute. Uh, her name's Elizabeth Condon. And the oh, quote yeah. that the quote from her that I loved was uh, she said, it's my right as a sovereign moron to reelect the same person <laughs> over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing that I would say about that and is, you know, term limits, uh, the folks in that building who don't have term limits are the lobbyists. And, right. you know, whether Staff you're members. on, yeah, whether you're on the left or the right, you call them special interest groups. Those are the folks who get 40 years to fully mm -hmm. understand how the process works. Yep. You have, I mean, you have a hundred and however many folks going through that building who get eight years there, right when you get your sea legs, you got to go. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, is that the right system? Um, you know, if I take off my, um, my, my nonpartisan uh, media hat, I, sure. I am, I would say, no, I, I don't think that that's, good there's a lot of like you said really effective and smart people who had to leave because you know they they served their eight or 16 years um and and couldn't do it anymore yeah and it's, it's and it's too bad and it has changed i think the way that the psc is appointed because i think some people see that as a third senate term and i'm not trying to be critical of that but i think that's how it's perceived i think that the, a lot of these commissions that like pay pretty well have four to six year terms, that's how they're seen. And they're seen as like, a, you know, just another extension of your service, which is fine. But I mean, I don't really think that is, so they're not really, if the whole point of terminus is like, oh, you're, you should leave Jefferson City and go back and be Cincinnapolis or, or since, or how, like whatever the general was that went back and turned his sword into a plow. That's yeah. not what's happening. <laughs> I, well, that's not what we're doing. I mean, most of um, most of the lawmakers, I don't know most, but there's a lot of them that have any kind of clout there, find a way to stick around. Well, and, and one of the, the ways that they tried to uh, alleviate the issue of, of that kind of continuing influence is they said, you know, you have to wait two years past mm. your last uh, session working as, a legislator or a staff member um, yeah. to to lobby, and yeah. the the problem with something like that is on paper it looks really good. Mm -hmm. um, now my my argument against it, and and full disclosure, I I was a House staffer for a time. My argument against it is a lot of staffers who work in the House and Senate are are twenty something. Uh, young adults mm -hmm. who got yeah. a poli sci degree immediately <laughs> came to Missouri. Um, they get paid nothing yeah. to work in the state capitol. So they spend, you know, let's say two to five years developing a very, very unique skill set where yep. they understand the Missouri legislature better than most people. These staffers are some of the smartest people in that building. Mm -hmm. And when they decide that they want to take that knowledge and stop making no money with how valuable they are to the system, we're yeah. telling them, well, you have to wait two years until you can utilize that knowledge and, and actually get paid in the private sector for it. And what do you do for those two years? You have, you've built up yeah. a very specific skill set. Um, so it's, so, you know, it, with every solution we try to find to these issues, we are running into another another problem. 
Well, and that's the thing that I think, and yeah, I mean, like I, I, I kind of, when people tend to ask me like about what I think about an issue, I mean, I've, I guess I've gotten to the point in my life and in my view of politics, like, you know, any idea is great. Any idea is a good idea, but you have to understand that there is any cause it's going to lead to an effect of something. And you have to decide, is that effect going to be something that's worth <laughs> changing for? Um, you know, and I think that that's just a thing that like everyone seems to think like, oh, if we do this, it'll fix this problem. OK, that might be true, but you're probably causing another problem or another two problems. So is that worth it to you? I don't know. That's the calculation. You that's know, the calculation. Every, everything so, that happens. Yeah. Everything I'm that not, happens in Just City. I'm not as fun to talk about politics anymore because I don't see it in absolute terms, which just makes me really boring at parties, I guess. But uh, I'm like, well, it kind of reminds me of that line at the end of Charlie Wilson's War where Philip Seymour Hoffman tells the story about like the village and one bad thing happens and the wise man says, yeah, we'll see. And then something good happens and everyone's like, oh, that's great. And he's like, we'll see. You know, I just kind of feel like that's like how everything in Jefferson City is like, we'll see how it goes. Yep. Maybe it'll work yep. and maybe it won't. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I know we're, we're kind of, I think we've probably gone way over our time. I could talk about this for hours, honestly. Oh yeah. Um, Absolutely. You know, so yeah, but I mean, you know, I mean, I guess one thing I want to ask, cause I just, I've been meaning to ask this cause we've been talking about how people have behaved in the session. I mean, we also have the fact that we have a retirement at the U S Senate. Um, we have a lot of congressmen and women who are talking about running for that. I mean, you have to think, some of what's gone on are some of these lawmakers maybe jockeying to run either for the Senate race or for that, for a potentially open congressional seat. Don't you think? I think that Roy Blunt's decision to not seek reelection in 2022 <laughs> was the most uh, influential decision that anyone in Missouri politics has made in a number of years. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It was, you know, it's, it's, I mean, here's the thing. I, I'll, I'll, I'll be in Missouri for one more year um, past my time at the Missouri Times. And then I'm, I'm actually moving out of the state. I have a, a, oh. a beautiful fiance who is going to uh, residency for medical school. Um, and so oh, you're marrying a we're doctor. Going. That's great. <laughs> oh, yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> I, I'm happy about it, too. Um, I'm but, sure you love her, but that's also very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, yes, uh, the, the, it's going to be one of the most interesting Senate races in the country, yeah. um, both the primary and, and the general, but like you said, that trickle down effect, yeah. uh, was, was wild because you have all of these, uh, members of Cong of, of the United States Congress, like Jason Smith, Vicki Hartzler and Wagner. Um, yeah. if they decide to get into that race, uh, the, the amount of individuals in Jeff City who start doing some math and start figuring out um, yeah. where they want to go and whether they have a, a chance at a congressional seat really starts to affect the way people behave. Um, one, one really cool thing that Scott and I did after uh, Blunt's announcement was we, we did uh, tip sheets where we basically just ran through everyone that could yes. run for a seat. And then, um, you know, we, we had one that was like, if Vicki Hartzler decides to run for Senate, who's who we think is going to run for Vicki Hartzler's seat? If yeah. Jason Smith, you know, and, and those, right. are, those are pretty fun. We had a lot of fun, uh, Scott and I, writing those. Um, it's the, the, the trickle-down effect is, 
is massive. And, and yeah. even with writing all those tip sheets, there's always surprises that are going to happen. Like, I mean, I guess you could have seen Mark McCloskey running for U.S. Senate a mile away. Um, but <laughs> oh, oh, man, it is, it's going to be it's going to be two of the most like this campaign cycle is going to be one of the most uh, what I, I, I guess wild is the right term wild off year campaign wild. seasons that that I think we've ever seen. Yeah, because I think you can look at some of the decisions. I mean, we talk about that FRA thing. I think you can look at the votes and how people behaved. I think some of them were influenced by, are we going to run for something next year differently? I think think if you really want to have some fun uh, paying attention to who might be running for something, looking at the votes uh, for Senator Dave Schatz and Representative Becky Ruth's gas tax bill. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, I think I think there's a lot of uh, political information that you can glean um, from the votes and the process that the gas tax went through. Yeah, you know, I think that's right, because, I mean, you know, yeah, that was I think that could be a litmus test for some uh, people running. Um, but I, still, it seems insane because it's still going to be the lowest gas tax in the country, but or one of the lowest. Um, yeah, but I think it's just yeah, it is interesting like because how politics can have a real world impact on some of these legislative things. It can't be discounted. Yeah. Um, and and so, you know, I think it's interesting. I think um, I, I think I, I think that I look at the people that are already running and I get a little nervous about who that could be. <laughs> um, but it is, it is interesting. It is interesting. Uh, well, I'm saying I started to hear that you're going to be moving out of the state. That's sad. That's yeah, new. It's, <laughs> you know, uh, it's, uh, we've got another year here. It was, it was kind of what I signed on to, you know, uh, when, mm-hmm. when we decided to um, date and get married, it was, you know, she's, she's got this medical school career that we've got to follow. Um, yeah. Which is, which is, you know, why, cause, cause here's the thing. If, um, if I had my choice, I'd probably stick around the Missouri Times for, for a while. Sure. It's, it's an incredible yeah. place to work. Um, Scott and Caitlin are, are two of the smartest folks in Missouri politics right now, mm-hmm. um, yeah. hands down. They're great. Um, oh, yeah. But we've, yeah. Uh, you know, we've, we've got to make decisions for her career um, before mm-hmm. mine. And so, so that's, that's kind of how that's had to shake out. That's how teams work. That's how teams yeah. work when you're getting married. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, and gosh, I could do this. I could talk like, again, I could talk about Missouri politics forever. I've done it. I've been involved with it for off and on for 21 years. It's been something that's been interesting to me. Um, yeah. You know, even someone who's been involved with it, I still find it interesting. Uh, some people run for office and they have a negative experience and they never want to go think about it again. I've been the complete opposite. I've, I've still really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. And I think it can do good. It can. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't, but sometimes it can. Um, Colin, again, uh, the name of your business that you're starting? Uh, CP Kerrigan uh, LLC. It's just, um, I, I've, I've got years and years and years of uh, digital experience. Um, you don't look like you have media. years and years and years. <laughs> I mean, I don't doubt it because people start early with that. But I mean, you, but you, I mean, because I, I have no doubt that you've got an impressive CV. I don't mean to say that. I just meant to say you're, you're a very young guy. Right. You, if you, if you moisturize with SPF in the face, <laughs> it keeps you young for a very long time. Um, but yeah, digital, you know, digital media, uh, social media, and and then communications consultation. Um, yeah. 
you know, messaging and, and things like that is, is what the business is going to do. And then um, I, I appreciate you giving me room to pitch that. I, I do think that, you know, it's, it's really important for me to pitch uh, again, the Missouri times. I yes. mean, for your, for your listeners, um, it is, it is your one-stop shop to know what is going on in yeah. Missouri politics. Um, like you said, we've got, we've got a television show this week in Missouri politics. We've mm-hmm. got, um, the online uh, edition of the newspaper, and we've got um, we've got the podcast network, yeah. and and truly between all of those things, uh, we're covering almost everything that's going on uh, in in Jeff City. So it's a good service, and I try to link to it as much as I can. And I know you all are very good about you know, like I said, getting our perspective on things, and I really appreciate that uh, because I think uh, you know it is important to like have someone following state politics because it's, it's, it's expensive. It's hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that you're out there doing it. Um, it's Connor Kerrigan. Uh, <laughs> you've said <Yeah>. it all. <laughs> yeah. I feel I've kept you on here much longer than I usually keep my guests, but I think we just had a lot to talk about. And I kind of went on a tangent about decorum and you know, what, what it means to be civilized in politics, which, but I, yeah. <laughs> I still think it's, it's, it's something that, um, well, it's important for people to think about. Yeah. yeah. No, this has been a ton of fun. I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Thanks again. And thank you all for listening. Um, If you like what you hear, subscribe to us on all major platforms, uh, write a review and share this on your social media platforms. And on behalf of Renew Missouri, uh, this has been uh, James Owen, our executive director, and you will be getting, I have to like warn all of you about this. You will be getting our summer mailer uh, coming out in June where we're going to be asking for money, but I'm going to tell you something right now that summer mailer is going to knock your socks off. I'm going to tell you something right now. You're going to love it. Uh, And so uh, with that said, this is Renew Renew Gurus and Seacrest out.